Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the after math of shows that ran only one season or only one episode. Do you mind? I am doing an intro. I leaned on my knuckles too hard and they cracked. I'm not re-recording it. You're using that take. Okay. Don't you have a quote? Uh, with me as always is TV's Noah Houlihan, who made himself known already with his loud bones. I pushed too hard on my knuckles. I'm sorry, everyone. Welcome, everybody, to The Push with Darren Brown. <sighs> this is a Netflix original that is no longer available on Netflix. Yes, it um, it was interesting because it was called Pushed to the Edge in every country but the U.S. Yeah, where it's just The Push. Where it's just The Push. Based on the novel, Precious by Sapphire. By Sapphire, yes. So we wanted to do this because Darren Brown, I believe very soon, is doing the opposite of this show. Where he convinces you not to commit a murder? No. He convinces someone to take a bullet for someone else. It's called The Hero. Okay. So I thought ahead of the opposite of that show, we would do The Push, where he convinces you to commit a murder. All right. So before we do this, since there's a potential murder in this one that's never been more apropos, to pour one out. What do you got there, Lara? Long Island iced tea. A Long Island iced tea? Yeah. Try it. It's a Long Island iced tea. I I mean, I love Long Island iced teas. I'm just surprised that that's what you would make. It's a Long Island iced tea. Suspicious. It's a Long Island iced tea. No, it's not. <laughs> it's something gross. But I, but I convinced you it was, and you tried it. No, because you didn't. I, <laughs> because I mentalisted you into trying it. No, that's not what happened. You gave me something gross, and then you made me drink it. It's not gross. What is it? The iced tea I drink literally all the time. I don't like iced tea. It actually does kind of look like something's floating on top of it now that I've said something. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. Uh, What do you have? I I have uh, the Stay Doomed push. Uh, Stay Doomed has been pushing something for quite some time. We've been trying to convince something to happen. We've been very cordial about this, and we've pushed, and we pushed, and we pushed, and we got no response. So now... I just realized what we're doing here. I'm pushing back. Stay doomed. We'll no longer be drinking beatbox. (laughs) I have the beatbox alternative, Vibe. It is exactly the same as a beatbox, except it's a box that's called Vibe. And on the side it says... 
the best way to vibe on the go, which is a terrible slogan. It's like, this alcohol is really portable. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, that's a little problematic. Yeah, so I haven't tried it yet. Here we go. It's really good. It's really, really good. It's the fruit punch flavor, right? It's like it's not, it's a strawberry limeade. It's better than beatbox. It's really good, and it's twelve percent. I mean, rip you. Yeah, rip me. So, beatbox, you missed your opportunity. Vibe, we would like you to sponsor the Stay Doomed podcast. Sponsor us, you cowards. <laughs> We're all about vibe now. I enjoy that our way of trying to solicit sponsorships uh, does not involve professional outreach. It involves the phrase, you cowards. You cowards. Which, coincidentally, is probably why we've never had a sponsor. I I don't know. That might be a a factor. I agree. It might be a factor. But we're going to talk about Darren Brown's The Push. Yes. Uh, So to get us started, I had seen this already. This was Lara's first time seeing this. Correct. And I'm curious, do you know who Darren Brown is? Do you know anything about Mr. Brown? I do not. Uh, Darren Brown also had a show on the Sci-Fi Channel that I used to watch where he would do bits of mentalism. And uh, as someone who, like, enjoys magicians and stuff like that, I do enjoy his brand. Okay. Because... Basically, what Darren Brown does is he does a magic trick, and then he tells you how he did it, and he lies. Okay. Like, one of the things I remember him doing is he would steal people's wallets, but the way he would do it is he would just walk up to them and say, like, give me your wallet real quick. And then you just hand it to him, and then he'd leave. And the way he would kind of like do mentalism on you is he would go up and ask you like for directions and then he would like ask you to hold something and he's like, can you give me directions? Yeah. You don't mind giving it to me? Is like the phrase he'd work in. And then he'd be like, could you hand me your wallet real quick? And then I'll take back my water bottle. Thank you so much for the directions. And he'd walk away. I don't believe that that's actually how that is done. When you could just get an actor to hand you your wallet. Yeah. So that's kind of what he does. Like, another one I remember him doing is he played uh, a bunch of chess grandmasters. Okay. He played, I think it was 13. It was an odd number of uh, chess grandmasters. And he goes, I'm going to win a majority of these games. And he played them all at the same time. Just went around playing them. And in the end, he won seven. A majority. A majority. And then he revealed the way that he did it was he memorized the boards, like, next to each other. Okay. And he would just play his uh, the person he's playing against same exact moves. So in theory, he wasn't actually playing the games of chess. It was like a round robin. They were all playing each other. He was just doing the moves. Okay. So of course, half of them had to lose, except for one guy who wasn't that great at chess, who he just beat fairly. (laughs) I was like, I I don't know if that's how that really happened. So Darren Brown uh, famously 
uh, one of his like first specials was Russian Roulette with Darren Brown. Okay. Where live on, the, I believe it was the BBC, he played Russian Roulette with himself. This I know. Yes. Because he had to get special permission for what he did to bring anything like that into the country. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, and Gun laws in the UK are extremely strict. Yeah, I'd imagine, <laughs> compared to the good old US of A here. And people confronted him and said, you didn't really do that, that was a magic trick. And his response was, I like that people think that. I like that that makes it mysterious. So basically, everything Darren Brown does, take with a grain of salt. They were blanks. probably lying to you. They were blanks in that. All of them were blanks? Is that the deal? Yes, but he had to get special permission to get those imported in. Oh. So that's how it was done? (laughs) Yeah. All right, then. I did a little research. Okay. But in this episode, the idea is, can you... Be so suggestive to someone that they'll commit a murder. Murder! We get a proof of concept to begin where an actor calls a barista and pretends to be a police officer and tells the barista, like, the woman just walked in with a baby carriage, stole that baby. We need you to steal that baby and bring it to us. Take the pram, go straight out. We need to get the baby to safety. Just go straight out of the cafe. Keep walking. Head towards the main street. Keep walking. And he does. Everyone besides the barista is an actor. The 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 baby is fake. The woman who walked in is an actress. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, I didn't believe any of this. That was my first, like, do you believe this? And the, your answer is no? No, no, this was so clearly fake. Because someone would say something if a man took a baby from a woman, someone would have followed him out of the store and been like, bro! Bro, you stealing that baby? Now, I will say, that the whole point of this beyond is it real is for self-reflection and for you to, as a viewer, go... Do I think I would have done that? So I ask you, would you have bought this in your days when you were working retail to, like, help this police officer that called you? No. No? No, because I'm... When I was working retail, I'm like, no, officer, I'm a 19-year-old girl (laughs) working in a shopping mall. At the very least, you could scare up a mall cop. Yeah. (laughs) Why? This is not the number to call. Sir, this is the juniors department. Do you want me to connect you with a manager? Because this is a... Bu- I'm getting seven twenty-five an hour. Yeah. No to this. I'm seasonal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet... You know, that's probably literally what I would have said. Because I've told you a lot of stories from my retail days that end with... Dude, I'm seasonal. I don't yeah. care. Uh... I would also not do this, and I I base this on two things that happened in my life, where uh, I was working at Eckert, which was a drugstore before Rite Aid bought them, and uh, we got robbed. And it wasn't like they took the cash register. They just grabbed like a bunch of NyQuil and then ran out of the store. And I remember this, these like two teenage girls looked at me 
from because I was in the photo department. And they were like, are you going to do anything? And I was like, yeah. And I ran outside and I took a picture of him with my phone and I ran back inside. Because <laughs> I'm not confronting a criminal. Yeah, I never understood. I will also say uh, when I was in the D.A.R.E. program, we had to do this like don't talk to strangers exercise. And each group had to like pretend like they were hanging out at the mall. And then this person would come up and like offer drugs. And you had to be like, no, I don't smoke weed. The only thing I smoke is sausages. Something like that. Or you give them the cold shoulder. So (laughs) I was the last group to go. And in my scene, this girl comes up. The same actress that had been, you know, pressuring for drugs. And all she says is like, do you know where the where this store is? And I kind of was like, everyone else was like on their guard. And I was just kind of like, yeah, it's pretty far away. It's just on the other side of the mall. She went, thank you. She walked away. And then a cop rolls up and is like, hey... There's been this uh, drug dealer that's run around. She gave, gave us the, the description of the woman we talked to. Uh, have you seen her? And I was like, we saw someone like that. She went that way. She's like, well, come with me. We need to a, uh, a get a statement. And everyone in my group starts following this cop. And I go, can I see your badge? And I was the only one to do it. And, and then, like, as soon as I said that, everyone kind of snapped out of it. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And he, like, flashed it real quick and then put it back in his pocket. And I went, you're not a cop. And the dare dare officer was like, most people fall for this one. You guys are a rarity. And I was like, yay! Yeah, like, it was hard enough when I worked in retail to get me to do my actual job. (laughs) Like, I was very much that, like, stereotypical, like... Finding new and exciting ways to be texting people. You ever hide <laughs> your phone in a clothing rack? Ooh, solid. I was like Blair Witch, like leaning on a clothing rack. Like you, you know, like the scene. You know the Blair Witch texting scene? No, but you know when like they're hiding in the corner and the guy's head is against the wall? <laughs> oh, oh, you're that person in the scene. Yeah, like picture that, but it's a teenage girl hiding her phone. Is that the- what you think he's doing in the film? No, it's 1999. <laughs> Texting was a... You would have seen the cell phone from what? space in 1999. In Blair Witch's house. You up? <laughs> There's no reception in that basement. <laughs> uh, so, I'm going to let you guys know, throughout this, it's going to be a lot of discussion of, you think you would have done this? Uh, and the answer is pretty much always going to be, I don't think so. <laughs> no, like, I... I'm not very, I, I've never considered myself rebellious. I just, I have to see the point mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have seen the point. I would have been like, no, like the lady, the guy stealing that bait, like this lady who's kidnapped this baby, she might be armed. Yeah. Like if you know she stole this baby, where are you? Yeah. Police. <laughs> I promise I will take a real long time to make her her coffee. Yeah. I'll keep her here. I'll spill three of them. Yeah. 
I'll spill one on her if you want. Yeah, you can. I'll get it wrong. I'll get it wrong. I'll spill it. I'll spill it on her if you like, yeah. so that you can see the giant coffee stain. Yeah. So. I'll make it extra hot and spill it on her if she's a kidnapper. This this is then when when we get the premise of this show. This is why I'm not very good at things, guys. Uh, the premise of this show is Dan Brown is through the course of an evening through he's hired a bunch of actors and he has this big building and throughout the events that will take place tonight a normal person the only non-actor involved in this entire building will be convinced to commit a murder yeah uh, so it's the Joe Smo show except someone's gonna not really die <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, my note about the uh, getting the baby to safety is, so this guy's a dumbass. Yes, indeed. So we get a little bit of the background to how this whole thing is going to work. Yes. Um, and the name of the children's charity for which the cover event is called PUSH. It stands for something, I never got it. Um, now the charity is called the Project for Urban Social Happiness, or as we like to call it, PUSH. And they're kind of implying that the fact that the word PUSH will be all over the place And their tagline is, convince them. whatever it takes. Yeah, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Uh, so they have this big fake charity. They roped in David Tennant, and Stephen Fry and Martin Freeman and Martin Freeman to all say like Push is a great charity. I'm so glad. That I'm happy to support them. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And Darren Brown says, just so you know, we have not conned any celebrities. They know that this is a fake uh, charity, which means someone walked up to Dennett, David Tennant and was like, "Hey, Doctor Who, can you film something for me quickly?" We are making a fake charity that will eventually convince someone to commit a murder. You win? <laughs> and David Tennant went, yeah! <laughs> yeah. Insanity. Insanity. They also talk about, like, everyone, ha everyone has an earpiece. The Darren Brown will be... Um, kind of masterminding the whole thing through earpieces and coaching everyone but the mark. Yeah. I will say, if this is legitimate, this whole experiment, it's impressive that they're pulling this off. There's 50 cameras hidden throughout the venue and 70 actors. Because yeah. everyone at the gala, from attendees to servers, is an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually caught myself looking really closely at the catering staff because we have friends who are actors in the UK. <laughs> and I'm like, Michael? You there? Michael, are you in here? I did not see Michael. No. Well, this was 2018. Yeah. I mean, that that lines up. Yeah, I guess it does. So in any case, we meet our Mark, which is, is his name Mark? No, his name is Chris. Chris. I just, I wrote him down as Mark. He's a tech geek and a nice person. Yes. And the manipulation's already starting in that they are having a black tie event and 
Chris, they don't tell him. They don't tell him. So Chris is there just in a big purple shirt. <laughs> so you might have noticed Chris isn't wearing full evening wear like everybody else. Now, we intentionally didn't let him know that this was a black tie event. So in his casual shirt, he'll be feeling at a lower status level than everybody else. Yeah, he's in like bit barely business casual. Yeah. And this is so that mentally he'll feel out of place and subservient. And the idea is they start by having him do little things that will build to bigger things later. So the first one that they hit him with is while he's talking to the guy running the event. They the event it. planner comes in. The event planner comes in. Well, first in. thing that happens is they take his phone. Oh, yeah. They do take his phone away, which made me laugh because that's a big plus two comedy joke. Whenever we travel with somebody who's never traveled with us is, hey, give me your phone. Now we're going to leave you in the woods. So the idea that he's willing to part with his phone makes him a dumb person. You never tried that when I started traveling with you because I think you valued being alive. Mm -hmm. And also, usually when I traveled with you, I was the reason we made it there. For the record, Plus Two Comedy did not leave anyone alone in the woods without their phone. But you did nearly die on multiple occasions and you yourself lost your phone on at least one. This is not the purpose of this. You this. jumped in a pool with your phone in your pocket. This is not the purpose of this part of the podcast. Let's get back on topic. You jumped in a pool with your phone in your pocket as a grown man. So the catering manager bursts in and the meat canapes have arrived, but not the vegetarian ones. They look like samosas, kind of. They look uh, maybe like pigs in a blanket. I thought they were pigs in a blanket. That was my interpretation of what they were. Yeah, they look like pigs in a blanket. Sorry. I was gonna, I think, at first I thought they were like a dumpling. So I have a note here of like samosa, question mark, dumpling, question mark. Because uh, the version we watched was not the highest quality. No, it certainly wasn't. So... The person running the event is like, hey, Chris, let's just throw some of these... Vegetarian flags on the meat ones. On the meat ones. And Chris is like, yeah, whatever. Screw vegetarians, am I right? And I look at you and went, I literally wouldn't have done this. This first thing that they're trying to say is like the gateway. I would not have done. I don't think I would have done it either. Just like, you and I both have like dietary quirks. Yes. So we know the repercussions of eating something that you're not, that, that's not what it's supposed to be. So we wouldn't do this to someone. And beyond dietary quirks, it's funny because it actually sort of, my first thought dovetails into uh, what actually they're trying to push toward. And my fear would have been, what if someone's allergic? Yeah. And then I caused them to get hurt or die. Yeah, I could have killed somebody. Literally, that was what I thought. Mm. Like, I do not mess with... I, If someone is allergic to peanuts, I wouldn't feel comfortable cooking for them. Yeah. Because there's no way things in my house... Gluten, we have a friend who is very, very seriously celiac. Yeah. I literally will only buy her packaged food if she comes over. Yes, yes. Because I love bread and I just assume everything in my kitchen has been thoroughly marinated in gluten no matter how yes. much I clean it. So my first thought would have been cross-contamination and hurting someone. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't want to hurt anybody. 
Yeah, I, I definitely don't think I would do this. And I think the show knew that because we get into, like, casting. Like, we take a break from the plot to be like, how did we find the perfect mark here? And I think this is to build credibility in the show because I think a lot of people have the experience we have. And then they watch this part and they're like, oh, they got the most subservient person they could find. A lot of the reviews I read for it actually said it made everything come off as dumber. Because it's like, well, yeah, of course, if you find the biggest, like, if you find the most suggestible sheep person you can, mm-hmm. you'll be able to convince them to do nearly anything. Uh, so the experiment they do is they first get four actors and they tell the actors, we're going to ring a bell. When we ring the bell, you sit. When you ring, when we ring it again, you stand while you're filling mm. out the paperwork. Yeah. These four are paid actors who are in on it. And then they send a fifth person in who's a mark. Yeah. And... So they have like, okay, and then they ring the bell. And the first couple times the guy kind of looks confused and then he starts to do it. Yes. Uh, My favorite is there is a woman named Amy who auditions and she just doesn't. Yeah. But side eyes the crap out of everybody. Yeah. I'm just going to stay seated. She's like, I'm going to sit. And other people just immediately like adopt. Oh, I guess we hear the bell we stand. Oh, the bell went off again we sit down amy is dismissed pretty quickly yeah they're like all right amy's not listening but it gets to the point where they remove the actors and just the potential marks are there and they're standing up and sitting down on the bell just because the people around them have been doing it which is interesting and a thing that i can believe would happen uh this is a thing i think i would fall for just because like a common thing I will end up saying was, like, everyone else was yelling, so I wanted to yell. So, like, I enjoy being a part of a thing. So even though I don't understand it, I'd probably be like, Belle, I'll stand with you guys. <laughs> what are we doing? I also think I would have said that, though. Not a soul is like, why are we doing this? I think I immediately would have been like, why are we standing up on the bell, guys? Anyone? No, none of us have communication skills? Okay. I would have looked up and been like, are they coming to get us? No? Mm. (laughs) Like, I would have been very much like Amy where I'm like, but chair. Yeah, but I'm sitting. (laughs) I could also see you being kind of the person that would be so focused on the task of filling out the forms, you wouldn't have noticed them doing stuff. Actually, you know what? How often do you see me actually sitting still? You think you would have been walking around the room? Yes. They do specifically say, this is your spot, stay here. Which I think is part of it. Do we realistically think I would have remembered to stay there or been like, what's over here? I'm bored. Well, you would have been kicked out then. I would have been, there. I would never have made it this far. And it's not because I'm oppositional or strong-willed. I'm just genuinely, if I don't see the point, I'm just kind of like, no. Yeah. So we then get some more like setup where we meet a character named Bernie. Bernie is basically the person donating all this stuff to an auction that will raise money for this charity. Yes. Uh, They go up to a rooftop and meet some like fun people there. They all get along swimmingly. It's the board. It's the board of the charity who he meets. And uh, Bernie 
sits on the edge of the building and smokes a cigarette. Yeah. And they're like, come on, Bernie, don't do that. Get down. Yeah. It's dangerous, you f- silly old man, you. It's all kind of like playful right now and everything's kind of like hunky-dory. Uh, then Chris gets to sit in on the speech that Bernie is going to give. Like he's rehearsing it. Mm-hmm. And he ends with a joke which is, uh, the joke is... Then I'm going to finish with a joke. Um, what is big and bouncy and disappoints a lot of children? I thought all bouncy. No, no, don't, 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 I, I haven't fit. What is big and bouncy and disappoints a lot of children? It's my check if it bounces. That is the joke, and he's laughing. It's not, it's not a good joke. It's not a good joke, but... Chris laughs, which I think is also supposed to be part of the, like, look how subservient he is. He laughed at this terrible joke. We kind of also see this weird little, like, moment where the guy who's going to guide Chris through the experiment, Tom, we see, like, they've gone out to lunch before. So you see the background of how they set Chris up to trust Tom. Yeah. We should really point out, like, there's kind of multiple storylines or like we jump around in time a lot. Like the main story is what's going on in this building at this charity event. But like we jump back to behind the scenes like constantly. Yeah. So then Bernie is looking through the auction guide and he's insulted by how little the starting bids are for all of these items. Right. And he's going to have a little talk with Tom because they're not going to make enough money if they start things at 2000 when they should be 20000 And he starts yelling. There's like a few lines that like don't make sense that he says. Kind of like to imply something's like wrong with him. Yeah. And then he clutches his chest and falls to the ground. Yes. And Tom's like, Chris, go get the pills out of his bag or his jacket. And Chris goes a running into the other room. Can't find them. So he just grabs the bag and the coat. And when he comes back, Tom's like, so Bernie's dead. Yep. And Chris is like, are you going to try to do CPR? And Tom's like, nah, dog, nah, he's dead. he's dead. Which... That's when you do CPR. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing during this rehearsal project uh, process. They screened out anyone who knew They screened CPR. anyone that knew that. <laughs> because I think like they must have. Because as we'll see later, if anyone knows CPR, this whole thing falls apart. Yeah. Immediately. So. And, and like. You've taken CPR classes. I'm certified, yes. I'm certified as well. I used to be a lifeguard. And when I learned CPR, my thought was kind of like, oh, it's basically just what you see on TV. Like, sure that there's like a certain spot you have to hit and stuff like that. But I remember learning being like, I'm doing the thing I saw on television. I feel like the average person who doesn't know CPR could give it a whirl. Uh, the av- now, I will say the average person will not do it hard enough. That's true. Uh, because having 
uh, it was really important to me. I was certified uh, about six months ago. And to me, it was very crucial to do it in person purely because I wanted the practical experience with the dummy. Yeah. And the dummy will like glow red if you're not doing it hard enough and green if you are. <laughs> oh, you have to exercise the demon as well yeah. as do the CPR? A little Push the demon out of his chest. <laughs> His eyes are going red. You're losing him. They do not like when you yell the power of Christ compels you <laughs> at the CPR class. Ask me how I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I was the class clown in the CPR class, which yeah. is never a good thing. That's not a good label. <laughs> um, but you have to you have to really, like, go for yeah. it. And if he was trained and was going to go for it hard enough, it would have given up the game. Yeah. So they must have screened out people who knew CPR. Because it was my first thought as well. Here it is. No CPR? And then Chris suggests it. Yeah, he's like, do you know CPR? He's like, ah, he's dead. <laughs> so the, now the story beat is, if Bernie is dead, that's going to really ruin this big charity event. Yeah, it's going to move all of his things into probate. Or... Uh, it it's going to like legally I don't know it's going to cause legal issues for all of the stuff he donated yeah which I don't think is true if he's already donated it <laughs> or like people are going to be sad and leave yeah the, the 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 crux of this is the kids are not going to get their money if Bernie is dead for some reason yeah so they're like here's the plan we're going to hide the body and then later we will find Bernie and be like, oh no, he died at some point after this auction is over. Exactly. So they take the body and they throw it in a trunk. <laughs> and Chris is like visibly shaken. Like he's taking water and like the water spilling. He's like, oh. and they're just going to move forward with this auction. Despite the fact that Bernie has passed. Yes. So their plan uh, is to make Chris do the speech pretending to be Bernie. Well, what happens is the auctioneer shows up and says, hi, Tom. Hi, Bernie. Just like missing. Like he was told like Tom and Bernie are in there. So he walks in and he goes, hi, Tom. Hi, Bernie. Confusing Chris for Bernie. Yes. So when the auction starts, the auctioneer is like, uh, all of this is made possible because of Bernie and points at Chris and is like, he's really shy, but he's going to give a speech right now. So he's on the spot and he didn't correct him the first time. So it would feel weird to correct him this time. So... Do you get up and give the speech? Or do you ruin everything for these children? Me? Yeah. Uh, but, but besides the fact that you're already not in this situation because you would have been gone forever ago. My first thought is if Bernie is wealthy enough to be well-known enough to be a benefactor... I wouldn't do this because I would assume at least some of these people would very much know I no wasn't Bernie. No Bernie, yeah. Uh, so no, um, 
My, or I would open with, hey, I'm sorry, um, Bernie's in the bathroom. Yeah. I'm Kate. As someone who clearly loves attention, I totally would have gone up there and been like, hey, I'm not Bernie. I don't know where Bernie is. But if Bernie was here, I'm sure he would say this. And then I would talk and I'd be a showman and everyone would get happy charity time. Yeah, I, I think I would be like, you know, um, Bernie is not here. I think if I knew Bernie was dead, I think I'd be very like, he's not here. I'm trying to think if I would be able to resist being very sus in my wording. Like, I'd probably have a panic attack in real life. Like, I'm making jokes right now that I would, like, be like, you know. I think there's also a good chance that I'm like, Bernie's dead. (laughs) There's been an accident. We should stop. Yeah, like, I also would have found, I think when Bernie dropped, I think the Next thing I would have done was look for that event planner. Yeah. And been like, hey, uh, I don't have my cell phone. You need to call the cops. Yeah. Um, Bernie died. It was medical. Yeah. Because right now, like, it was medical. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't do it. I, I don't think they did enough. I actually have a moment here where a note I have is they should have rigged the death to be conceivably your fault. Like, the the vegetarian thing? Yes. Like, you, it should be resultant from your action somehow to make this work better. Because I, I think at this point, I would probably be strict. Because at this point, I am innocent and blameless. Yeah. Um, like, I would even tell a police officer, like, we did, I panicked. I didn't know what to do, so I moved the body. Yeah, I moved the body, and then as, like, when I touched his skin, I was like, this is wrong. I think another thing that's missing, and I almost wouldn't be surprised if this is something that's cut from the broadcast that they did do, I don't think the stakes are personally high enough. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a scene that they didn't use where he meets some of the kids. Yeah. And the kids are like, because of this, I get to go to space camp. Or something like that, <laughs> that would like raise the stakes of like I can't. Please, Mister, I want to go to space camp. I'll go to space camp. Y- yeah, you needed like Tiny Tim. For all my life, I've been just sitting here and I'd eat shoes, and now I get to go to space camp because of this great charity. I, I've, I just discovered this voice <laughs> that I could do. I was literally about to tell you, if you ever audition to voice a child, do not do that voice. (laughs) Oh, you're really happy with yourself right now. Oh, guys, we have to stop because Noah is turning purple. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Guys, Noah is so happy with himself. I'm just vibing. I'm just vibing. (laughs) You had, like... Three ounces of that. Well, no, and now I get to go to space camp. <laughs> this episode. Uh, please let me know your thoughts on this episode in particular because we are off the rails in Stadium Studios tonight. We gotta kill this guy. Let's go. We. I don't like this week. <laughs>
We are not off the rails. One of us is conducting a podcast. The other one wants to go to space camp. (laughs) So, there's a moment right about now when I stop and go, he's pretending to be a dead guy named Bernie. Yes, I've. <laughs> this is the thing that I remembered. I was like, "Oh, that's right. The dead body is Bernie," uh, because of weekend at Bernie's. Yes, and like, there's something about it where, like, in the pitch meeting for this show, it's like we're going to convince someone to commit a murder. We're also going to sneak in cheeky puns and references. So the first. Lot comes up, and it is a mystery box that looks exactly like the box they had just stuffed um, that they Bernie had, into. They just stuffed Bernie's corpse into. So Tom's like, "Okay, you need to buy this box, and then we will. Uh, I'll pay you back for it, but buy this box because no one can see what's in it." And Chris, at this point, is like, "Yeah, of course. There's a dead body in that." Let's not have to explain this. So he buys this box, and the auctioneer is like, Congratulations to our benefactor. He must know what's in it. And now it's time to open the box. Open the box. And everyone's chanting. If I was one of these people, I'd be, like, super mad about, you know, wait, the guy who donated it bought it? Can he do that? That seems beat. I mean, I think... I mean, everyone there is a Mark, so... Like, everyone there is an actor except for Chris. Yeah, that's true. But I guess I could justify it as, like... If you want the mystery box, you gotta pay for it. We're here for charity. I wasn't letting this go for for five grand, because I know what's in here. Chris is like, I'm sorry, but it's gonna have to stay a mystery. I almost thought he was going to say, if you wanted to know what was in the box, you should have bought it. And he locks it. But that's too sassy for Chris. He locks it, and Darren Brown's like, this is a concern. This is his first time being rebellious. He didn't do the prompt and open the box. I was like, yeah, because he thought if he did, he'd reveal the body he moved. Yeah. Like, that's almost better. If he opens the box, he's an idiot. And Tom's going to be like, why'd you open the box? There's a, you knew the dead body was in it. It was like, well, people said to. <laughs> I do love that idea. Somebody said I should. So they then have to, like, rewrite in this kind of explanation where they're like, oh, it must have been another box because we found Bernie's box over here, which is what the reveal was supposed to be. But he hasn't seen it, so now they have to explain it to him. So then they... Run back to the other room, find out that it was a different box, and then Tom and Chris put Bernie's body in a wheelchair with sunglasses in case you hadn't gotten the joke yet. Yeah. And they pass him off as drunk in a scene ripped out of Clue. Yeah. This man is drunk. <laughs> Dead drunk. Dead drunk. Dead right. <laughs> uh, for extra, like, fun... When they wheel him out, his cell phone goes off. So everyone, like, turns and looks at him, and they, like, quickly turn it off. And an auction is going on during this time. 
And while the auction's going off, the cell phone goes off and they have to lift his arm to turn it off. And the auctioneer goes 9,000 to the man in the wheelchair, (laughs) which is just like an extra joke that like, it kind of shows a little panache. Yeah. And I respect that. They wheel the body out to the lobby and the plan was going to be they were going to put him in his car. And then we would find him in his car later. Be like, oh, he died in his car. Which kind of makes sense as a plan. But then Tom's like, well, we can't bring the wheelchair out this way. Because that's a revolving door. And even Chris is like, what? (laughs) And Tom's like, yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? It's unfair to the handicapped. You could still pick the body up. (laughs) What Noah's not mentioning is we spend like five minutes on the very elaborate corpse dummy. Because this is no longer uh, the actor playing Bernie. Oh, yes. This is an extremely elaborate dummy meant to fool Chris into thinking it's a corpse. uh, Which is where that CPR would make this all fall apart. Yeah. Because it's lifelike. But I doubt they put crackable ribs in there. Well, they do talk about how, like, the special effects guy that made it is, usually this needs to look good on camera. This needs to be fully functional. So, like, we're looking at it and we're thinking about things like bones and veins and wrinkles and things like that. So it doesn't have to just look good. It also has to feel like a body. So they do that. There's not a lot of how (laughs) on that. They do spend a lot of time, like, we molded the actor's face. We took all these pictures for hairs and things like that. Yeah, we got the direction of each and every one of his hairs and rooted it specifically. Yeah. Like, they spent a lot of money on this. Mm-hmm. Creepiest real doll ever. It's weird because, like, they, at the same time, spend a lot of time on this and not enough time on this. Yeah. Like, they really just kind of spend ten minutes going, this is really hard. But no explanation of what the real solutions were. We gotta throw more hijinks at him. Because some drunks show up. And Bernie's wife shows up. This is later. Okay. I don't have anything about the drunks. Just some drunks could show up and they're like, Ah, my man Bernie! And they all start, like, hanging out with him. Like, oh, this guy's really drunk. And there's a moment where uh, the drunks are like, Let me get a picture with this old guy. And Chris takes the picture and cuts him out of it so you can't see it. Yeah, which they're like, ooh, that was clever of him. They're like, oh, it's good for him. (laughs) So they can't get him to the garage. So now the plan is to make it look like he fell down some stairs. Yes. No one knows where the stairwell, like no one's going to be using the stairwell. We can find him later. So they dump his body at the bottom of these stairs. And Tom's like, wait a minute. If he fell down some stairs, he'd have bruising. We gotta give him some bruising. We need you to kick him. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. And this is another, like, weird moment. Because Chris is like, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. And Tom's like, he's already dead. It's not gonna hurt him. Just give him a few quick kicks. We're gonna have to put some bruises on. But there would be, wouldn't there, if he fell at the bottom of the stairs? No, he might have just... He might have had a heart attack before... 
It won't hurt him. This is important. It won't hurt him. Look, he's dead. Yeah, that's fine. He's not going to feel anything. Just kick him, quickly. No, no. Okay. Not once does Chris go, well, then you kick him. Yeah, I would have, like, made him do stuff. Yeah, I, I've been busting my ass for you, guy I met two hours ago. Well, they do spend a lot of time showing how they formed that relationship. That's it's not true. a guy they met two hours ago. That's true. That's true. They, they did meet at a business meeting before this. But, again, you're a business acquaintance. Yeah. Like, you are not my friend. You are a client. Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh. You be, this tip better be amazing. But Chris does not kick him. Yeah, and again, they're like, ooh, he's, he's, he's being defiant. It's insane that it's like, oh, he's being defiant. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a little bit of a difference between, uh, you know, giving a speech and kicking a corpse. Yeah. And also, not for nothing, they would be able to tell the bruising happened after death. Absolutely. Especially because by this point, it's been like, it's it's been a few minutes. And like, the idea is he fell down the steps and this is where he's dead. They're going to know he had a heart attack. What's to say he didn't just have the heart attack at the bottom of the stairs? Yeah. So this part, I think, is a bit dumb. So now, uh, we go up to the roof, and like they're kind of just like, it's all behind us now. We're d- we've done it. We just got to ride out the rest of the night. And this is where they meet Bernie's wife. Yes. Bernie's wife has a bombshell for them. Bernie has a form of what she says is like a sleeping sickness. And he probably won't have an attack, mind you. Uh, but he needs to take his pills. Yeah. He needs to take two pills to ward off an attack that uh, will give him Romeo and Juliet syndrome, where it'll just look like he's dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, he's like he'll go pale, his pulse will get weak, but he'll just but be not asleep. non-existent. But not non-existent. I, I think they called it like a narcolepsy attack or something like that. Yeah. And or, or narcoleptic fit, I think, is the word they used, and. Uh, Tom very suspiciously goes, but to clarify, not dead. And his wife's like, no, of course not. Instead of, what do you mean? (laughs) Did he have one? I know they're all actors, but still. Uh, So they give him the pills. They're like, all right, we'll give this to Bernie right now. So basically they're like, oh, crap, Bernie's alive. We need help now. So they enlist like, the people who were on the roof from the beginning. And Tom's like, Chris, tell them everything. We're going to need their help. And you can tell Chris doesn't want to do that. Yeah. And honestly, I wouldn't want to do that because any time doing that is time wasted. Yeah. But he's basically like, so we thought Bernie was dead. We threw him in a trunk. I gave a speech. <laughs> We wheeled him out in a wheelchair. We dumped him at the bottom of the steps. We gotta go give him pills. Yeah, like, my thought would be at this point, like, why are you making me do everything? Is it because you want to make me legally responsible for everything? But he's subservient because he's in a purple shirt. So, uh, so they end up opening the door 
And uh, Bernie's not in the stairwell. Bernie's gone. Bernie's on the roof. And you just hear Bernie cursing like all the way up the steps. They're like, uh-oh, Bernie. Is they, mad. They run up to the roof and Bernie had a recorder on him that they did set up earlier in the episode. So he has a recording of Tom going, kick him in the ribs. It won't hurt him. He's just, a, he's dead. And he's like, I'm going to sue all of you. You're all getting sued. But first... First thing out of my mouth would have been, well, I didn't kick you. Don't sue me. Yeah, I I would have immediately been like, yeah, Bernie, you tell Tom. You tell Tom (laughs) what a terrible person he is. I was about to say, Bernie, do you have it on your recording where I say I'm not going to do that and then I don't do that? Honestly... If I somehow made it to this point in the situation, I would be laughing hysterically. <laughs> I'd be so relieved he was alive. I, yeah, I'd be hugging Brian, but we're going to tell this story forever. <laughs> let's, let's remember what this is about. This isn't about the fact that we thought you were dead or, and that we were going to kick you in the stomach and that we were not going to tell anyone that you were dead for a while. It's about the children who want to go to the space camp. You, you literally just did that whole thing so you could do that voice. You can't prove that. I did. I did. <laughs> wow, I had to work real hard for that, didn't I? Oh, you're going to be so mad at yourself when you're editing this I can't tomorrow. wait to edit this one. This is great. Uh, so, uh, Bernie is like, I'm going to sue all of you. But first, I'm going to have a cigarette. And then he climbs then he up. he sits on the edge of the roof with a cigarette. Yes, with his two assistants that are not safety Riggers making sure that this stunt goes safely. So the charity board freaks out at Chris, and then they come up with the idea to push Bernie from the roof where he's currently having a cigarette. Yeah, we didn't have any of these problems when he was dead. Yeah. And they're like, all right, here's the plan. Chris, why don't you go just give him a little sh- push off the off the building? sure did have a recorder on him a while ago, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, they're not having this conversation all that quietly. I have this note of, by the end of this, the charity board guy is screaming, do it. Yes. And Bernie should have turned around at some point. Do we, what? <laughs> and then we also see... You psychos. We also see the celebrity promos again, repeating, whatever it takes, yes, push, whatever push, it whatever takes. it takes. Put your hand on his back and give him one big push. You've got to do it. Whatever it takes. Just go up to him, put your hand on his back, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Listen, listen, listen. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Look, either you do it or you leave. The greater good. Yes. And Chris leaves. Yeah, they're like, you have to do it, you have to do it. He's like, I'm just gonna leave. Do it or leave. Do it or leave. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave. And he doesn't do it, and he walks out, and he opens the door, and there's Darren Brown. He's like, whoa! Darren Brown's here! (laughs) I just, like, I was trying to figure out what the American equivalent to this would be. It'd be Chris Angel. No, like, Chris Angel is a magician. This is almost a hidden camera prank show. Like, this would be like you open that door and Howie Mandel was there. 
Logan and he'd be Paul. like, how did I, Logan Paul, yeah. Bro, you almost killed someone, bro. Bro, I, was, I totally committed, you almost killed a guy. Bro, do you want some Prime? I'm afraid to drink a Prime. We don't drink Prime, we drink Vibe. We drink Vibe, who should sponsor us. Feel like this, uh, I feel like this podcast might not be the best uh, way to entice Vibe. Vibe, do it despite beatbox. Yeah, cowards. So, <laughs> the beatbox people are the cowards. Vibe, you're cool. So, they reveal, like, this was all, uh, none of this was real. These are all actors. We were trying to see if, through the power of suggestion and, like, all these situations, if you would give in and commit a murder. And you didn't! You didn't, which is great. However, the three other times we ran this experiment, they totally did. And then a clip show of three other episodes we didn't see happens, where we see them go through all the beats of, like, uh, doing the vegetarian rolls, kicking the body, <laughs> doing the weekends at Bernie's bit, and then three separate people push a man to his death. <laughs> and, like, because they over two days, they, they ran it four times. So two of them were at night, and two of them were in broad daylight. Yeah, and also, because it's... Bur- the people would have... I, I wondered how this worked with Hannah and Laura. Because Bernie... Is male and yeah. older, and Laura and Hannah to be look to be in their late twenties to early thirties. I mean, Bernice is a a female name. Bernadette, maybe, Bernadette. but usually, like, again, this wealthy benefactor. I wouldn't think they wouldn't kind of know what he looked like, or at least I could understand that the auctioneer wouldn't, because he's not part of this like socialite world. Darren comforts the murderers because he's like, most people do it. Yeah. Most people do it. Don't worry. Granted, he can't really say that to the first person. <laughs> it's like, 100% of the people we've done this to have just killed them. How many times have you done it? Once. <laughs> but, uh, but it makes sense why we spent time with Chris since he was the only one who ultimately chose not to do it. He probably was the only one who even remotely went off track. Yeah. Uh, all of the people signed waivers before and after. Uh, they signed waivers during the audition process, and then they did ultimately sign waivers after the event. That said what? I give you the right to trick me into killing a man? Uh, no, that they would permit it to air. Okay. Like, they signed something for after the event saying, like, yeah, you can air this. Oh, interesting. So, in theory, they could have done this more than four times. And those people were like, I killed the man. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't air this. Because uh, one thing I did find interesting is the four marks in this, the four potential murderers. In the credits, they're only credited by their first name. Yes. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't think you'd want to put your name out there. <laughs> Uh, I've thought about this, and I really feel like what I would have done in this situation is I would feel like if I left, someone else would kill Bernie. So I feel like I would walk up to Bernie as if I was going to push him and say, 
your friends are going to kill you if you don't get down. Yeah. Please get down. Notice how I'm on your side. (laughs) So please get down. But I also feel to do that, I'd put my hand on his back. And the actor would probably have been trained to be like, as soon as you feel a touch on your back, jump off the building. And then I'd have to turn around and go, I didn't push him. (laughs) I swear to you. You would be in a You'd be in a sitcom. I did. I was trying to warn him about you people. (laughs) They'd be like, yeah, sure, Noah. I'm sure you didn't actually murder that man that we all watched you push on television. Uh, So... In the end, what did we learn? I think we were meant to learn that people are suggestible and that free will is corruptible. But what I felt like I learned was, man, Darren Brown has a 75% win rate at picking idiots. (laughs) Yeah, now... Uh, Chris Kingston, who is the guy we spent the time with, uh, he's, he called it his most embarrassing moment, but not, he's like, I'm so f- scared and stressed out on national television. How embarrassing. But I guess it can be like lighthearted embarrassment for him because he doesn't kill he a man. He doesn't guy. kill a man. So. How about these other three? Uh, we don't know much about them. I'm like... My gut feeling when I saw that was, oh, this was supposed to be four episodes. Yeah, I could see that. I was like, this makes sense that there would be multiple episodes of this scenario. Because there was enough in it of like variables that you'd want to see how someone else handled it. Because we didn't go over this in detail, but when they're forced to give the speech, the notes they have are incomplete. Yeah. So they have to kind of like wing it. And like one of the instructions is like, tell the story about the banana. So it's like, oh, what's their banana story going to be? But I don't think, after I watch someone kill a guy, I don't think you'd be like, well, let's see if the next person kills the guy. The, the story would then be, can anyone not kill the guy? Who, who wants to not kill a millionaire? <laughs> Uh, Darren Brown kept in touch with some of the cast. Uh, there's a picture of him from 2018 with uh, Chris and I think Hannah. Okay. And the body dummy, which I guess they just kept. Cool. Um, yeah, Christopher d- does not have a very high Twitter presence. He got real into crypto. Oh, you hate to see it. Uh, but he... Uh, because I was just kind of going through his uh, Twitter account, and he he was happy to do the show. Like, he's kind of happy. Like, his Twitter bio was like, I was on the push. I still don't like roofs. <laughs> and he's a drone business. Like, he does drone photography. Oh, cool. Man, this is... <laughs> he's just, like, really not a guy I'd hang out with. I'm into crypto and drones. And he, uh, he, he retweeted a lot of, like, the responses of, like, we're glad you didn't kick him. You must have... Oh, every other person kicks him, too. Yeah, everyone else kicks him, which is crazy. So, uh, I think that's one of the reasons that we only really see 
Christopher. His Twitter presence is so intermittent. Uh, he is less than 300 tweets going back to like 2013. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, that's the show. I don't know if there's anything that we missed that we wanted to touch on here, but do you have any fun research? One of Darren Brown's most recent tweets is a youth fundraiser. (laughs) I'm sorry, bro. I would not trust your youth fundraiser. I will PayPal the money. I will not be. Check out my fundraiser. It's called Shoot a Guy. And he, uh, he's currently working on a West End show. Called Unbelievable Magic Reimagined. I mean, I will say Darren Brown's really good at the magic. Like, uh, I saw him on the um, the Late Late Show mm-hmm. with uh, the British guy, which is James like, Corden. James Corden, who is a big fan of Darren Brown. Yeah, he gets James Corden to eat glass, which is like a cool moment because <laughs> he just starts getting him to eat glass, like. He's entertaining, but everything's like grain of salt. If you're actually doing this, it's kind of interesting. But chances are you're not, because you're a magician. And it's it's difficult to enjoy that type of magic. Yeah. Because like I'm a Penn and Teller guy, and Penn and Teller come out and they're like, we're going to lie to you. I'm yeah. going to say something is something, and it's not. It's going to be something else. And Darren Brown is the opposite side of the spectrum where it's like, I'm going to do something. And the reason I'm able to do that is because of my magical powers of mind control. Penn and Teller are like, we we don't have magic powers. We're doing an illusion. We're just going to mess with you for funsies. So, like, it's very interesting, like, ideas of magic, of going out there and being like, I'm about to do a magic trick. Versus, I can actually do this. Because, to me, the fun of magic is being like, how did he do that? And yeah. Darren Brown is like, I'm telling you how I do it. Magic. Powers. You know, different philosophies. I wouldn't say that what he's doing is wrong or harmful. Uh, it is just entertainment. It's just different philosophies of how comedy works. Yeah. Or comedy, excuse me, magic works. I figured that's, that's what you meant. I just wanted to make sure that uh, the gravediggers at home knew that what I meant. So, uh, is it verdict time? Yep. Uh, so, for me, it is an interesting thought experiment. But I kind of got Superstar USA vibes. Where, like, we are building to this one moment. And then that moment's not It's that very great. anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, I would say in terms of... uh, I'm going to ask this question to you a few times, actually. Stay doomed or stay tuned. In terms of... Is this show worth watching? Is this a stay doomed or stay tuned? Um... For me, it was a stay doomed because I just... I I had a hard time getting into this. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't invest myself. I just felt like... Once they showed that casting... Where they were like, we found the biggest sheep we could. I just, I couldn't get into it. Because I was like, you pre-screened this so heavily. Mm -hmm. That it doesn't feel like a normal person. It kind of feels like you went chasing for the ideal mark. Not Joe or Jane average. 
Right. I, I agree with that entirely. And I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. Because like, I think that does something for us as the audience member to be like, oh, it's be, it, it adds credibility to the show. Because it's like, it's not an average person. It's a person who would fall for this. Uh, so for me, I think as a curio and just kind of like an interesting thought experiment, I think it is a stay tuned for me. That being said, would you want to see the other three episodes? No. Yeah, me neither. Because I feel like they'd be very repetitive. Yeah, for me, I think those are stay doomed. I think this was the way to do it. Uh, I feel like it's an unrepeatable premise. Yeah. Really? I guess you could have people murder people in different ways. Yeah. Uh, But what he's decided to do, because it's not a repeatable present uh, idea... uh, is to do the opposite with this show, The Hero. After seeing this, do you have any interest in seeing The Hero? No. Okay. I I don't find... Uh, I don't find this type of magic enjoyable. Okay. Uh, it's just not my thing. Okay. I, I do enjoy Darren Brown. I would say I'm more of a Penn and Teller side of the spectrum, but like I don't like to ignore the other side of the spectrum. Uh, I, I think I'd be interested in seeing the hero, but like all in all, I don't buy this. No, I really didn't find myself believing all of it. Yeah, like gun to my head, everyone's an actor, in my opinion. Well, they also were casting. Yeah. So these were people, and I hate to say it, like, actors, for the most part, are a little desperate. Yeah, have you ever eaten with one? Yeah, very, thank you, the producers. Um, But I I could see them being like, oh my God, I'll stand up and sit down, please. Uh, I'll do a trick. I'll roll over. Please give me a part. Yeah. I'm hungry. I don't care if it's vegetarian or not. So yeah, uh, I I would say that overall, it was fine. (laughs) I I think I'm curious in seeing that hero, but like more of just the idea of if this is real, the amazing production that it requires. Yeah. Because like I really enjoyed the Joe Smo show, which was the reality show that was entirely fake, except for one guy, just because of like how difficult that was to pull off. So, I'm interested, but like, will I get around to it? Probably not. I still haven't seen the Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, same. (sighs) So, thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you want to support the show, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash plus two comedy. And uh, if you join that, you can join our cool little Discord and help decide about future episodes. We're going to have a poll out going very soon. And uh, thank you to Matthew for being a super cool patron. Uh, Laura, what are we doing next week? Uh, so next week we're, I'm surprised you bounced this question to me because, uh, you weren't going to tell me at first. Uh, At first I was not going to tell her it was going to be a mystery trip, but, uh, in the end I told her just, I was a little worried that one, she wouldn't be excited, which I was super wrong about. And two, that like I needed her touch to make sure that we have a good time. Because she's good at planning. Uh, so we will be uh, covering our trip to Baltimore that we took recently for the mu- for uh, I was going to say the Museum of the Moving Image because that was the last place this exhibit was. 
but uh, we went to see Jim Henson's Imagination Unleashed. It's awesome. So uh, we're really excited to bring you our report on that. Yes. And also, where can people find us? You can email us at the Stay Doomed Show at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And if you work for Vibe and would like to sponsor this show, I'm at Plus Two Comedy on Twitter. And if you want to go to Space Camp, I'm at Priorities. Until next time, stay doomed. I want to go to Space Camp. Stop it. <laughs>